Welcome to the Creative Condition Podcast, the show where I, Ben Talon, illustrator and writer, invite people from the creative industry and far beyond to share their story of creativity, both the nature and the nurture, the chaos and the calm. Creativity is a fundamental pillar of human happiness, something I'm increasingly fascinated by. It is so often misunderstood. So little by little, I hope to build an archive of valuable stories, experiences and tips to help you maximise yours. Today is the launch of my fourth book, Stories for the Apocalypse Number 1. Notes on the new normal alongside a hand-illustrated black and white pen and ink zine called A Wolf in Sports Clothing. And I just wanted to take you inside the story of why I write this stuff, why it's crucial for me to cope and manage mental health with creativity, why I think it's really common across the arts and the creative industry, and um, hopefully give you some ideas about ways that it can be cathartic for you too. Hello and welcome back to the Creative Condition Podcast. My name is Ben Tallon, your host. Cheers for checking in. It's uh, a weird day today. It's one of those kind of, in some ways, anticlimactic, but also really relieving and exciting to finally get a new book out there after months of promotion and teasing and excerpts and sharing the artwork and the rest of it because it's a, it's, a, it's still a very new process for me. So for anyone... Most people are familiar with me because of my illustration work and I am a full-time passionate illustrator who's been doing this for 13 and a half years. So if you're a regular listener to this show, you'll know that um, very well. And, um, you know, I, I, I find myself having to kind of clarify that because I've just lately it's been quite quiet on the freelancing, uh, which has meant that I've been using the time to build my author name, to produce books of my own, to create... Um, everything from full short story collections right through to illustrated limited print run zines. Um, what I should also say is actually before I get too far into these weeds, but um, a quick thank you to the sponsors, illustrationx.com. So illustrationx.com are my illustration representative and they've been representing me now for the best part of that 13 and a half years. I think maybe 12, 12 and a half Either way, we've had a fantastic relationship. We continue to build that relationship as the agency grows and as I grow as an artist. And um, I would recommend them, not to anyone, because I think you have to find the right agent, you know, for you. So there's always a good one out there. But for me, they're absolutely perfect. And what they've always had in abundance is patience and appreciation of the artist in each of us illustrators. So it's, you know, they know as well as anyone, it's not just about, sitting at that desk all day and being an illustrator and drawing and, and approaching illustration clients. It's about staying energised and, and being an artist. And I guess I'm going to use that as the insider tip from Illustration X because um, if it wasn't for those guys and that patience, I certainly w- wouldn't have been able to get some of the bigger commissions that I've had over the last few years because what you find is that by going off and doing this necessary stuff, and that's something we're going to talk about today on this episode, is about coping through creativity that it creates this ecosystem that feeds back to the core practice. And I've hit upon this so many shows before. Um, I apologise, by the way, for my voice today. I'm off the back end of COVID. Hence why I'm sat indoors prattling on because (laughs) I can't go... I can go out and walk the dog, you know, but I can't go in any indoor space because I'm close to people, so got to do the right thing. Um, But Illustration X have always had a grand appreciation of that. Not just an appreciation, but they've supported and fostered that. You know, the reason where 
having this conversation today is because Illustration X were the ones who said to me that I love talking about creativity and if you wanted to go away and learn how to podcast, we think you'd be great to do it and we'll happily be the founding sponsor. You can't ask for better support than that as an artist, so thank you to Illustration X. And I just want to do push that idea of doing what feels right and doing what you need to do, whatever that may be, whether it's writing, singing, dancing, sculpting, um, performance art, you know, it doesn't matter. It's about doing it for you and for the soul and about expressing your take on the world. And what I've found all time and time again is that people love that. People buy into that. If you're passionate and it shows in the work and it's an interesting personal take on creativity, it really opens doors all over the world. I've had some of the most amazing opportunities through, you know, for example, went off and did a whole five-year project with Andrew Andy Cotterill, who was a music photographer. And it was all about identity and about creative expression and about these extreme characters who need this outlet, uh, which is the theme of today's chat. And by complete circumstance and happenstance, it, it brought me my biggest commercial job to date, which was the complete global rebranding of Lynx deodorants and shower gels. Um, and I loved that project. It was very creative. It was admittedly very commercial, but you have to do these jobs sometimes if you want to live in this society. And I, I worked with PB Creative in London and they were just a fantastic bunch of people. Um, and time and time again, when I kind of find that balance between what we need to do to survive and to keep the business going and to make money to live, but also what we need to do to be happy as a human, and to feel like we have purpose and a great outlet, I think it's absolutely vital to do that. Um, so that's what I wanted to talk about today. So first of all, how have you guys been? Let me know because it wasn't intentional to have this ongoing mental health thread in my, you know, in my podcast and in my writing. But it's it's become about that over the years because I met people and learned and and observed that. A lot of us are kind of wrestling with some form of neuroses. I think it's just part and parcel of the brains that we have that make us good for, you know, creative creative work. We either do it from some kind of necessity or we do it because that's what we're good at and that's what we enjoy doing. But the flip side is that, you know, I say it time and time again, we see the world in layers and we we procrastinate, we introspect, we worry, we, we want to make the world a happy place to live in for everyone. So when we're in this modern society, which is bombarded with, you know, we're bombarded with bad news and we're bombarded with doom. People call it doom scrolling now, but we're all guilty of it because we have to go on the likes of Twitter to promote our stuff. And then we get trapped in these loops of people shouting at one another and it's quite destructive. Um, I shared a link recently, but I would recommend... The Blind Boy podcast, and he did a, a a couple of great episodes on that. There was one about a, it was called a mental health survival kit, I think it was, or or self defense. I forget the way he worded it, but uh, for for bad news and for coping with that and for managing and making decisions to kind of self manage our exposure, you know, limit the damage by by getting caught up in these feedback loops or these angry conversations. And I don't, I don't think that does us too good for our creativity either. But I wanted to come here and talk because it's like I said, it's launch day today and it's launch day for Stories for the Apocalypse. Number one, Notes on the New Normal. It's my fourth book. I never thought I'd say that. I never thought I'd say it's my first book when Champagne and Wax Crayons came out. Um, and that was a non-fiction, traditionally published debut book. Uh, Champagne and Wax Crayons, Riding the Madness of the Creative Industry. 
It's part of the launch, by the way. It's $7.99 down from $12.99 on my website over at bentallenwriter.com slash shop. So if you haven't yet read Champagne, it's about, um, it's a brutally honest account of making a living from creativity and what it takes to build it from a hobby to to a profession. Um, I, I loved writing that thing. It started off as an angry blog about fr- the freelance frustrations and became something way more objective and um, like an all-encompassing story that a lot of us are going through as creative professionals. But today it's a very different book. So Stories for the Apocalypse number one is, is a collection of seven short stories, short fiction stories, character-driven. And it's about my sense, my, my detection of underlying mania in modern society. And when I say that, I mean I see people on the edge all the time now. I'm on the edge more than I ever used to be. I think a lot of us are, and it's for those reasons that I mentioned, the bombardment of bad news, the the knowledge that we have of everything now, be that the climate crisis, be that corruption at government level, which is more blatant than I've ever seen in my lifetime, and the apathy that surrounds that, and the, and the futility that it makes us feel, and the despondency that it makes us feel. And I had to do something about that. So why creativity is coping? Because throughout the pandemic, we saw people whether it was stitchcraft, baking bread, um, just doing things in the home, doing things over Zoom or, you know, silly dancing. It can be anything. Creativity is one of the biggest mistakes I think we make about creativity is to tie it to being artistic. And the two things are very different. So being artistic is something that some of us are. It's a, a human trait. But creativity is a fundamental part of the human condition. We all have that, and we all need to exercise that muscle. And if we don't, I think it leads to mental health dangers, risks, you know? I think that we all need to belong. I think that's a major part of creativity. We all need purpose. That's also a great part of creativity. Because if not, what is creativity if not us processing the world around us through the filter of our own personality? That's what it is. We have these tools, we have this intelligence, we have this ability, we need to kind of express how we feel about the world. And whether that's to privately on a blog, through a digital image or an NFT or whatever, or right through to a, a seminar or a, going to a gig together, I think there are so many ways in which we must express that creativity. And, um, and I think that when we don't, I see it time and time again, it's the ones who don't have an outlet that I worry about. My wife said to me not too long back, she said, um, I had finished reading a Dean Koontz book and I haven't read one for a long time now, but Dean Koontz was my first kind of adult author when I got into full adult fiction. Not not as in porn, but you know, <laughs> as in grown-up books. And Dean Koontz is kind of from the same area as Stephen King. It's kind of chiller horror kind of stuff. But I love the way he writes and I love the way he creates these completely heinous villains. And I remember lending my wife Laura one of those books and she said to me after she read it, that villain was awful, truly heinous. I mean, the worst kind of evil. Do you think he's messed up in the head that he can create that? And I said, absolutely not. I would happily go and stay on Dean Koontz's couch and feel safe because he's got that outlet. He's got that character that he's created to say the things that at some part some level of, of his mind, his, or his soul or his body, he's got to get out of him. And he's got it out of him through his character. And he lives on a page in a book. 
And that provides catharsis for the people who are reading that book as well. And I think that that's really, really important for our mental health to have some form of outlet. Now, it doesn't have to be fiction, of course, but in my case today, Stories for the Apocalypse is very much about that. These are seven sets of characters that are doing bizarre, eccentric things to cope. Because if they don't cope, they capitulate. Now, some of these characters have capitulated, much like the villain in Dean Koontz's book. So when people say, oh, you, you know, you're messed up, uh, writing about that graphic stuff or that you know whatever it might be or like think about Eminem for example rapping about really raw real stuff especially in those early albums but look at Eminem's background he came from a you know a trailer park in Detroit where he suffered bullying because you know he was a young scrawny white kid in a largely black community and the difference didn't serve him too well at the start but actually his way was rapping and songwriting and and, and that suddenly integrated him in that community and that just became a beautiful thing and a famous famous story but i think it's the ones who say the dark stuff or create or paint or write or draw the dark stuff that are probably doing all right and i say doing all right very tenuously because there's times certainly recently when i've really not been doing all right and i haven't suffered depression as such but even just talking about this today it's, i feel really good you know, the sun's coming through the window. Everyone's out of the house at the minute. I've got to, a twin son and daughter, two years old. My wife's taking them out and um, the chaos has just calmed for a moment. And I just, I can breathe. I can talk to you guys. I can talk about creativity. And sometimes that's enough. I don't have to reinvent the wheel. I don't have to create a Renaissance masterpiece or write a novel. I do choose to do that because I get a real kick and a real passion out of doing that. Um, just like someone might choose to go and make an album or an EP or whatever, but... If I didn't have this, I'd be in a lot worse state of mental disrepair. So I'll give you an example, right? The, um, out the back of my house, I've only been living in Salisbury for six months now. And I was reduced to tears last week because they ripped down two trees out the back of my house. And now some people might laugh at that and call me pathetic after I'm to man up or whatever. But it completely turned, you know, it ripped down habitat for wildlife and for bugs and birds but it also just looks shit and there was minimal consultation about that before it happened and it was on someone else's property but this tree overlooks my property and provided us with shade with birds to show the kids and it knocked the shit out of me because it ties into the bigger picture of environmental destruction and this is a real problem for me i i on a number of occasions have kind of broken down in tears to Laura because it's all just felt too overwhelming. And I'm not afraid to admit that and, and take the piss, whatever, that's fine. I grew up in a in a culture in Keighley in West Yorkshire where, you know, tears would result in getting the piss taken out of you because we're men and it's, you know, this all feeds into the big masculinity conversation, but we won't go there too much. But in short, I've felt on the edge and vulnerable a lot recently because of all the things that we're all talking about, the war, the climate crisis, and everything I mentioned at the top of this show. But the, here's the process for me. So I have that moment, I hit that point of, of breakdown almost. It's not a breakdown, you know, I'll, I'll feel really shit for a day. I, I might shed a tear to the wife and, you know, in private. I might struggle. I might struggle motivationally for my work. And then what happens is I'll go walk the dog or I'll play with the kids and I'll spend a day just, just re-assimilating and, and getting that through my head. And where I'm greatly helped by is then it starts to drip feed into ideas and to motivation. And I have a number of ideas that directly address this issue for stories, 
for poster campaigns, for artworks. I plan on reaching out to um, companies and agencies who have a greater reach than I do so I can try to do something about a great problem in my life. And that, for me, is is the, the greatness of creativity. I have that route. I have that outlet. I have that escape. I have this escape talking to you. I have diaries I can write. I've been very fortunate in my life to be shown the path by my parents and by people around me that it's cool and it's okay to create and you should do that because if you don't do that what happens and as I've gone through life with that philosophy and that thinking I found more and more people who empower me to do that even more and it feels fucking wonderful I'm not going to lie, I can pick up the phone to any number of creative people doing cool things and I can collaborate, I can just talk and you know, ask them what they've been up to. I can go on Twitter and talk to you guys and I see awesome projects all the time. I see posters making statements, I see uh, little networks of people coming together and creating exhibitions or um, anthologies or you know, whatever it is. I love that there are no boundaries on the medium and I think it's beautiful. And this is why I keep coming back to this creativity as coping theme, because I think in today's world, it's going to become really, really important, especially when the creative industry is being hammered down by our government, not just in this country, but in other countries, because, well, I, I personally believe that they don't want independent, free-spirited, free-thinking people. What, when has any government really wanted that, no matter what they try and put out there? They don't, because they don't want people who can think for themselves and challenge the, you know, the... The prescribed way of thinking that they, they try and go with <laughs> badly worded but you, you get where I'm coming from they don't want people uniting and you know making placards and, and and going on marches with cool artwork or sharing stories that inspire people to get up off their ass and do something about the things they care about but that's what creativity does as well so on any given day when I feel low or I have a real problem or a crisis point I pick up my pens, I, I sketch out a story idea, I write one line. That's all it takes sometimes. Because, I, you know, I'm not very time rich these days because I've got twin kids. But what I find is, you know, Saturday morning there's this little sweet spot between breakfast and then watching a cartoon or whatever it might be. When I can just sit down with my coffee and we're doing our thing. And instead of messaging or going on social media, I'll just open my notes app and fire out a couple of lines that starts a story. And that's all it takes. And maybe the rest of the day runs away from me, like doing dad stuff. But I know that I've just, I've created something there for me on a notes page. And that's all it takes. Or handwritten in a notepad, which I've started doing more and more again recently, stripping it all back. Maybe it's a sketch. If you've got more time in your hands, maybe you can go and spend a Saturday in the studio just creating without emails or client communications, you know. I guess what I'm saying is work out the, the, the structure that works for you so that no matter how little or how much time you've got, you can always just pick up the tool of choice and create something. It's a very punk ethos. For anyone, anyone who's been a long-term listener for this show, you might remember my interview with Don Letts going back to something like episode seven, I think it might have been. And Don is an absolute ball of fire, of creative energy. He always has been a filmmaker, producer, DJ. And Don said to me that when all his white mates were picking up guitars during the punk era and making music, um, he was picking up a Super 8 camera and documenting it and reinventing himself as Don Letts, the filmmaker. And I just found that really, really inspiring. And I was sat next to a, a copy of a, a Penguin modern classics novel here called The Housing Lark by Sam Selvan. And it's awesome and it's written. So here's the blurb for this book. And I just love any example of someone who's channeled something within them or an experienced or a heard experience and made something positive, a piece of art from it. Um, 
And this is described as an irreverent, spirited and seriously funny novel by the New York Review of Books. And here's the blurb. Sitting in his cramped basement room in Brixton, Battersby dreams of money, women and a T-bone steak and a place to call his own. So he and a group of friends decide to save up and buy a house together. But amid grasping landlords, the temptations of spending money and the less than welcoming attitude of the mother country, can this motley group of hustlers and schemers, Trinidadians and Jamaicans, men and women, make their dreams a reality? It's, it's, and it's an amazing book, so it's written, um, it's written in the dialect of the people narrating the book, and it's you know, in, the, in the same way that Trainspotting was written in the very phonetic Glaswegian. And it's just a beautiful blast of taking... I don't, you know, I don't know enough about Sam Selvan or his own lived experience yet to understand how real this, this experience was for him, but there's clearly some authenticity there, and it just reads as such, and it's a very short novel, but I love that. I loved Fight Club at college. I got inspired by graphic uh, activism off the back of Fight Club because I love Chuck Palahniuk's statement on the kind of contemporary consumerist society and, and how he created a character in Tyler Durden um, that was just timeless. And again, another short, raw blast of fiction writing that just provides this beautiful catharsis and, and creativity as coping. Um, let me see if I can land on... So I got this book called John York, Into the Woods. Sorry, the book, the author's called John York, and it's Into the Woods, How Stories Work and Why We Tell Them. And it's a look at creativity um, and story. It's mainly storytelling and why we tell them and, and the structure of stories. And there's just something wonderful about it. And there's a, But there's a bit in this book where he talks about the, the assimilation of the good and the bad of our personalities as um, the basis of good mental health. And I thought that was really, really uh, poignant and powerful. I'm going to try and find the excerpt. He talks about, here we go, I found it actually. Um, so this is the psychological reason for storytelling. So I'm going to read you a couple of pages from it because I think it's really pertinent to creativity and coping and mental health. Clearly not all stories are about reaching sexual maturity. This is obviously leaping off the previous passage. Hal in Henry IV becomes complete, but his inner psychological conflict is nothing to do with procreation. It's about becoming a soldier and finally a king. Arguably, the procreational pattern one finds in so many stories exists because of, and as part of, a larger and more encompassing reason. In order to achieve fulfilment, be it sexual or otherwise, stories tell us we have to be psychologically balanced, and psychological balance, as laid out in Jungian terms, presents a model that both fits and seems to make sense. It's possible to argue that all stories are manifestations of these inner psychological wars. Certainly the conflict between ego-driven desire and the deeper flaw-ridden id or need is at the heart of, an ar of the archetype, and it is this that suggests Jung may offer us one of the best explanations for story. Jung believed in individuation. Happiness is achieved by integrating the experience, experiences, aspects and contradictions of an immature personality into a greater whole. To Jung, mental health lay in balancing the contradictory elements within, whether male and female, anima, animus, or through what he called quaternity, in individual integrating wisdom from a mentor, femininity from a love interest and missing flaws from an antagonist. With the Wizard of Oz is a literal playing out of this inner psychological pattern. A troubled Dorothy projects her inner worries into a dream, well, a dream world, where she discovers the missing parts of herself and her anxieties are resolved. 
According to the same logic, the Ugly Sisters in Cinderella are really external symbols of the protagonist's inner lack of self-esteem. By exercising, assimilating and thus neutering her antagonists, the story rids her of her own sense of inferiority and makes her whole. Conversely, as one would expect from a dark inversion, every time Michael, Michael Corleone kills, he's really just destroying the better parts of himself. Fredo's death in Godfather 2 is, of course, the death of his own conscience, the cold-blooded murder of his own empathy and vulnerability. And I could go on, it's an amazing passage, but that whole thing about assimilating everything within, you know, the immaturity, the, the, the male, the female, and being at one and being at peace with that, for me, that's the, that's the very foundation of creativity. Because if you can create from a pure place and you can voice all those admissions and confessions and the ugly stuff that we were maybe once taught to be ashamed about, whether it was at school or in certain groups of friends, then I think we're in a really good place because that's where the lyrics come from. That's where the stories start to get written. That's where the artworks get created. That's where the good design really finds some soul and some basis. So it's just a little bit of a call to arms, really, and that's what Stories for the Apocalypse number one notes on the new normal is for me and that's why i'm talking about it with you today so it's a very raw collection of stories somewhere between black comedy and suburban horror and i say suburban horror because there are little elements of supernatural but it really it's about those real world horrors that are far scarier than anything that ghosts and ghouls and demons can uh, can do to us but I had to write that book, you know, I'd, I'd seen so many people on their own private brink and so many people struggling to hold it together under the strain of modern life because when, when you don't assimilate all those good, bad and in-betweens and you live your life based on a projection of what you feel is expected or what you should be doing because of Instagram or because of TikTok or, you know, if we use those things for the wrong reason, we end up very empty. And if we, if we can't express how we feel and we don't truly understand how we feel and we're not at peace with that, it just becomes very, very messy. And I think that's why we, we are suffering a mental health crisis because we live at a time when we are aware of all the bad things that were maybe there anyway, but we just didn't used to hear about them as much. But we're now so exposed to everything that of course we're gonna get mental health issues. And if we don't have some form of creativity or self-expression, boom, you know, the shit really does hit the fan. So I could sit here all day and, you know, talk about works that I think are great expressions of, of um, the self and the inner creative but that's why i do these podcasts that's why i love writing and illustrating and designing and making and i don't like to limit myself to a certain medium as you might have noticed by now for that reason because it just gives me a great belonging and if i've had a rough week with the family let's say the kids have been playing up like we've all had covid this week and we've been trapped again and it's like if it wasn't for my book and my stories be bollocks i'd be struggling you know and i think you're probably all going to feel the same about that so you know i've also brought out these little zines recently and and, and what's wonderful is so stories for the apocalypse is a bigger book it's but it's only about fifteen thousand words so it's very short in terms of it's not a novel you know it's a, it's a short story collection the long-term plan is to create four at the same size as ebooks as audiobooks and then to come out with a nice all singing, all dancing, limited edition print run um, of paper packs or maybe even hard packs. And that's exciting. Um, but in between, I needed something to break that cycle because they take a while to produce these books. You know, you've got to do the artwork, you've got to do the video trailer, you've got to get them edited, you've got to design the book itself. And um, 
I wanted to do something more quick and more punk in between, so that's what a wolf in sports clothing is. It's my second zine. There are still limited amount of copies of the first one, which was The Elf in the Delph, a Christmas murder mystery. I think there's about 20, 28 copies left in my shop. So if you want to get, you know, if you want to collect these things as I bring them out, then I recommend you grab your copy of Elf in the Delph now. But a wolf in sports clothing is also out. They're both coming at six quid, but they're 24 pages, full of illustration, a whole story in there, and each copy comes signed and numbered. So you can grab that at bentallenwriter.com forward slash shop. But about stories for the apocalypse, so I'm going to read you a little, um, this is the prologue, this is a little excerpt, um, this is a prologue that is a little story in its own right, and this was written to capture the overarching mood of this book. Saraya ordered a second coffee. She didn't want it. It was easier than wrenching a lethargic heap of a body out of the cafe chair. She began to nod off and snapped too, sat up. Pigeons, maybe 50 or so fought over something outside. A grey swarm of wings, feathers and beaks, shitting and squawking. She watched them and wondered how long it would be before it was us humans who had to fight in the street for scraps. Some of us already are, she thought, and felt thankful she was not there. Just yet. Donna messaged. Where are you? Think I've found a body on the edge of Goosefield. Don't want to look on my own. Soraya had warned Donna to stop watching the murder programmes. A crazy bitch. Not that she could talk. She'd been on Twitter again, watching people panicking about climate change, gender-neutral toilet arguments, celebrity gym workouts. Just depressing. All of it. Everyone going at everyone else. Squawking like the birds. Noise. 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 Nobody stopping to breathe. One of the pigeons made a break with whatever they all wanted, then vanished as the writhing mass descended on it again. Fat raindrops spread like a wet pox across the market square. Soraya took a big took a big breath. Donna had told her that the smell just after the rain hits a dry pavement is good for your lungs. A homeless man shuffled up to her and tipped his hat, revealing a bald head covered in some sort of flaking and redness. Stubborn strands of hair were matted to it. He had a nice smile, so she gave him two quid. A man behind her told him to fuck off. Stop hassling people and get a job. Soraya's blood boiled. She strained her eyes enough to see the cruel bastard's blood silhouette out of her periphery peripheral vision, and dipped a finger in her coffee and broke the surface of the stagnant milk. Lukewarm. Perfect. She drew on her rage, spun around, and lashed it straight into his face. Only then did she see he was in a wheelchair. Oh, Christ. Before he could wipe his eyes clear, before anyone could see what she'd done, as he coughed and spluttered, she grabbed her bag and ran, 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 full pelt across the square, trying so badly to outstrip everything that life was dumping on her from a great height. She made it to Greg's bakery on the corner of the high street and peeped back the way she came. Nobody had given chase. She called Donna. As it rang, 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 she started to cry. Was this a breakdown? Ring, ring, ring. Are we all really on the edge? She'd felt as if everyone were coiled up tight for a while now. She told people to shut up when they called the pandemic an apocalypse. Told them, told them that worse was to come. A lot worse. Even she didn't know what she meant by that. Ring, ring, ring. Pick up, please. Ring, ring. It's Norman. What? Norman who? Are you crying? No, maybe. What's wrong? Where are you? Goosefield. It is a body. It's Norman Emmett. Remember, used to run the paper shop. I'm on my way. 
So that's a, a sense of the tension and the kind of underlying mania in this book, and I'm quite proud of it as a collection of stories. I'm still very, very new to fiction writing, so you, you kind of have to wrestle with that feeling that in a year, in two years' time, I'll probably write something a hell of a lot better than this. But then when was that ever not the case with creativity? I think you just have to create, put it out there, and that's what generates the opportunities to make the better stuff in the first place. And, and what's really cool is as, as I do more writing, it finds more ways to integrate with my artwork and my illustration. And even my clients sometimes ask me to write things. And, you know, I'm, I'm working with a, a two-piece band at the moment on EP and album cover design. And we're even talking about producing a little zine for the album where I might even write a short story for it. And what I love is that ongoing, continuous state of being that creativity is and how it just does that. And it's a lovely thing and it's cyclical and it creates this... Um, environment where you know new opportunities open all the time and it really makes me feel alive so that's why i'm always preaching the value of creativity for mental health and why this book is very much born of that process all of my writing is so i'm not going to bang on too much longer but keep creating guys keep off twitter if it's if it's dragging you down the rabbit hole go and listen to uh, the blind boy podcast episode about creating a self-defense strategy for the overwhelming negativity of the news one thing that he points out in that episode is that the news and the media is a business and their business is to make you feel a certain way and invariably that's usually shit or angry or depressed so they they, they you know they have scientific methods for making you feel that way so remember that you know go and subscribe to positive news it's a beautiful little magazine that uh, my wife laura orders in every month and it's a great read you know they, they flag up the, the good things that are happening because that stuff doesn't grab your attention in headlines does it let's face it but it's happening you know so keep creating the good stuff channel that negativity and when you feel that way try to think of outlets or ways you can address the issue that's made you upset in the first place um Here's a bit of a call to arms, really, because I think we're going to need it moving forward. I think dark times are not going away, but I think that good times come out of those dark times. You know? Creative silver linings are never too far away. So that's just what I wanted to say on launch day of my new book. So any support is greatly appreciated. If you want to buy the book, you can grab it at bentallenwriter.com forward slash shop. It's £3.49, so it's very affordable as an ebook. Um, you can get it as a PDF. That's for your devices. If you want to see it, read it on a laptop, on your mobile phone or your tablet, you can grab that now. Or you can go to ebook retailers if you want to read it on your device, like a Kindle or, you know, iPad or whatever your tablet is anyway. You can get that too. So head over to bentonwriter.com and you'll find all the links on the homepage. Any reviews, any spreading of the word is mostly appreciated. You've got to get in the cheap book plug. Thank you for suffering that. Cheers to the supporter of the show, the founder supporter, Illustration X. Com. Thank you very much for listening. I'll always come back to this subject. I hope it's been of some interest, if nothing else. Nice one, guys. Have a good week. Bye.